0: Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. J.J. Jerez here, Arif Dean, here to break down some more Colorado avalanche hockey. Of course, they lose 4-2 to last night to the Vancouver Canucks, making it
1: five losses in a row. But Arif, what's up with you this fine Friday? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing a little bit better than the avalanche are feeling probably after that game. Um, things feel a little weird after that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess before we dive into it, let's. I, I kind of wanted to start today's conversation on your give slamming his stick across the crossbar after giving up that third goal. Right? I mean, it it, it was in the second period, and that was kind of the moment for me when the game went from primary vision, put, putting all my attention on it, focusing in, trying to break it down, to being more of a background noise. Right? Start to get ready for bed. You know, check social media, because. It just felt to me that that moment was a clear indicator that the game was over. That's just when you knew it. I mean, the the team really feels like a shell of what it once was because of both injury and free agency losses over the last year, what have you. But I don't think that's really the excuse anymore. And you're hearing that from the guys. You're hearing that from Jared Bednar. And I'm just starting to see a team that's showing, I guess, a lot of bad signs and, and red flags even.
1: Yeah, there's a little bit of that going on. Uh, this is something that we talked about with Peter over the last week. And honestly, at this point, I can't even remember if this is a Peter conversation on the podcast or off of it because we spend way too much time together in that press box. But uh, it was something along the lines of like, you know, the Arizona loss is one thing. The L.A. loss is one thing. You know, Toronto was the better team. Uh, Vegas was a winnable game. You know, like you and I talked about the other day, they started showing signs of we're getting there. We can do this. Uh, we're about to get over the hump. But then I think Peter ended it with, if they lose the game in Vancouver, that's when it's an issue. And it's not just that they lost the game in Vancouver. It's once again how they lost the game in Vancouver. Just like the L.A. game, they blow a two-goal lead and they come away with zero points. In the L.A. game, they at least had one. Um, but this is a Vancouver Canucks team. If you remember practice a couple of days ago, I mentioned how they are they themselves are unraveling. They're like reeling. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux came out a couple days ago and had some really telling comments about the team as he's been doing all year long. Yeah. Well, I mean, management started it. They've been kind of (laughs) going at him. What the hell is he supposed to do? But he said something along the lines of like, you know, I want people to block shots. I want to win every night. Uh, It seems like as soon as we face adversity, we can't get out of it, which sounds a little bit like the avalanche right now. Uh, A whole bunch of things like that to the point where, if you're interested in listening to this Bruce Boudreaux conversation, the smart thing to do would be to go to the VancouverCanucks.com website, pull up their TV section, click on the post game press conference for Bruce Boudreaux from Tuesday. Well, here's the problem it's not uploaded. The PR team didn't even upload it from how bad the comments sounded from a PR standpoint. So that's the team that the Avalanche went up against, and well, they do just put technical difficulty. They they just didn't put it up. They didn't put it up. Here is a player. Here is another player. And oh, did the coach speak post game? I guess he didn't. <laughs> um. So <laughs> that's the team that the Avalanche lost that game to. That's the team that the Avalanche had a two to nothing lead on, and you're like, oh, good. This is a bad team that you're taking advantage of. And then suddenly, one goal, two goal, three goals. Georgie slaps, slams his stick the avalanche end up with only 32 shots when it was just like for a very long time there was barely nothing going on um it's the way they lost that game mixed in with the fact like i said you know with the conversation with peter that they lost that game in general is what makes it like double bad right now yeah i mean
0: with the losing streak along with it too and it, it seems to be a lot of the same stuff going on right now and just avalanche unable to figure it out you know we were at practice the other day like you mentioned and there there was a good vibe it felt like with the players and and practice it looked like they had a good hardworking, high tempo practice and ended it with some good camaraderie and some fun and and even a conversation a huddle called by mckinnon right and it it felt like all right these guys are, are getting their minds where they need to be and and kind of getting back on the right track so that's kind of what made it all the more surprising that i feel like i I don't want to say it's a mental weakness coming out of this team, but maybe just a lack of confidence in themselves to really get the hard work in and, and play the game the way they need to win right now, which is with hard work and effort.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the effort thing, that's a word that I don't like use it. And I, I accidentally used it at a press conference the other day. and Jared, like right away, he didn't come at me, but it was kind of like, like that's that's not the word you want to use because they are trying uh Right now, it's a couple things for me. It's fatigue, and it's a feeling. So fatigue is real, and then the other thing is a very informal word of they're they're rattled. The team is rattled. There are frustrations. They are rattled, um, but this is stemming from the fatigue that is stemming from the injuries. Everybody's just kind of like, if you're Miko Ran and if you're Nathan McKinnon, you know you should be able to do more, but you can't do more because you're exhausted, because you've played so many minutes, because when you're not on the ice, the second, third, fourth line are not pitching in the way that you are. Um, because seven of the 12 forwards yesterday ended up with zero shots on goal. Only five forwards had a shot because of things like that. So you know you're good. You know you got it. You're putting in the effort. And I'm you know, I'm talking from the standpoint of McKinnon, Rand and even Comfort, like the guys at the top of your lineup. You know you're good. You know you can do it. You're putting in the effort but you're playing so many minutes that you're exhausted on top of the playing so many minutes, you're trying to do more than you should Uh, whether you're going to say it publicly or not, uh, which you're never going to say it publicly because you're a very good, well-bonded locker room. You don't really have faith that the other lines are going to pitch in the way you do. So when you're on the ice, you feel like you need to do even more and everything's just kind of leading to this. Um, and, you know, we saw Nathan McKinnon at practice the other day, kind of call the team in and try to reel them in a little bit. Let's have a conversation. Let's settle things down. We've seen Jared Bedner do that. Neither of those worked recently. Um, is it time for a full meltdown panic? Like I wrote in my story yesterday, is it time for a full meltdown panic? No, but it's probably time to panic just a little bit to be like, OK, what's really going on here? Because these injuries started, these issues started with injuries, but it's well beyond that now. It's the fatigue. It's all the other things that it's leading to. That's causing the team to kind of go into this rut right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a, a lot of factors going into them simply just not playing good hockey, right? I mean, getting outshot the way they did last night, and um, you know, their inability to suppress shots, I think, is something else, and and even just their inability to score goals. So we know. We know Alexander Georgiev well enough to know that him slamming his stick against the crossbar is just a frustration of giving up three goals that quickly. Um, He feels like there's always something he could do as a goaltender, and he maybe felt that he needed to step up. But uh, I don't see that slamming of the stick being in frustration of his teammates, albeit I think there might be a little hint somewhere in the back of his brain saying, man, I really wish we could score more goals. Because goals are really the issue right now and their inability to, to achieve them. Um, but Alexander Georgiev purely slamming that stick at himself.
1: Yeah, 100%. Look, this is, this is the big thing that is going on right now that I need. I, I want to do my best to make to make this clear because you and I are the ones that have spent all season talking about Georgie and his personality and the kind of person he is. Georgie's not slamming his stick like you said, you know, he, he wishes the team would score more goals, but that's not what he's slamming his stick about. He's not slamming his stick because Kel McCarr and Devontae's, you know, caused the turnover and icing and all these other things. He's not slamming his stick because how dare these players not help me. He's slamming his stick because he surrendered goals. And as a goalie, you don't want to surrender goals. Because you hold yourself to a high standard. Because there isn't a single goalie in the NHL. And no matter what they feel inside their brain, they're never going to play with this mentality. Because if you do, you're not going to succeed. There is not a single goalie in the NHL that will ever throw his team under the bus. Ever. You could get outshot 45 to 15 every single night and lose 2 to 1. And if you ask the starting goalie, he's going to say, I could have made a second save and we'd be in overtime. And it's a coin flip. That's the way that goalies operate. Absolutely. So when, yeah, so when, and especially Georgie, especially the personality he has, the way the standard that he holds himself to that goal, wasn't about how dare McCarr and tapes cause a turnover. That goal was how dare I not bail them out after that turnover. That's the way it goes. And that's the way that that guy operates. So the frustrations have set in and that was a very clear sign of it. Uh, but the biggest thing is this team right now, look, let's include Georgie in the conversation that I just had earlier. He has started 10 straight games, five of them since the Christmas holiday. And I know I know, Peter the other day, he was trying to argue that it's really five days and then a break. And it's like the break was three days. This isn't the all-star break or the bye week where you get 10, 11, 12 days or an Olympic break. Having a or even Friday, a COVID break. Yeah, exactly. Having a Friday, Saturday, Sunday off is not a big break. That's a very normal thing in the schedule. Uh, that's a very normal pause in the schedule, I should say. So he has played 10 straight. But five of them have come since the holiday break. The very first practice coming out of that holiday break after the or Sorry, the very first practice before the, 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 the holiday break, before the Arizona game, we kept asking Jared about, you know, Frankie and when he's going to play. And then after the holiday break, after the Arizona game, we learned that Frankie was actually injured pre-holiday break during the winning streak. So that was six games into this 10 game stretch of Georgie starting every single game. And after game six, which was the Arizona game, we asked Jared if there was a chance that Jonas was going to play. And he said, we're going to kind of, you know, we're going to ride Georgie as long as he's going hot, which obviously that's kind of settled now. And if we feel that there's any signs of fatigue, we'll go to the other guy. Well, this should tell you all you need to know about the other guy that they're playing Georgie 10 straight games because Georgie does need a break. Georgie does look like there are signs of fatigue. And I know that's a strong word. I don't want to assume that he's tired, but Georgie does. There are signs of Georgie needing a rest to reset, sitting for a game on a bench and watching the action, learning, developing and coming out the next night. Even the most veteran of goalies, the Marty Brodeurs, the Patrick was the Henrik Lundqvist, the carry prices, all those guys in their prime need a sec to reset, to re, to refocus and then to get back in the game. So, this goes back to that. I mean, let's go ahead and take a look at the minutes. Did you happen? I want a really quick note. Did you happen to read the article I wrote last night?
0: Uh, not this one. I usually catch everyone, though.
1: Okay. So the reason why I asked that is because I'm going to give a. Did you see the tweet that I sent out? No, no. Okay. Of, of Miko Rantanen? No. No. Okay. Perfect. Miko Rantanen has played 37 games this year pre this season he had played 408 games this is a strictly regular season in the 37 games this year do you know how many times miko Rantanen has played at least 25 minutes in 37 games you said yeah uh, i'm gonna go with 25 no that's way too big a number it's 10 he's played and all 10 of them have come in the last 21 no no it's fine i'm, I'm, I'm always terrible 10. when you throw it's all right yeah yeah I know. The prediction thing sucks i hate that <laughs> um he's played 10 games of over 25 minutes of Isom as a forward. We're not even halfway through the season. All 10 of them have come in the last 21 games because the first 16, he didn't do it. It didn't come until game 17, which was that game in Dallas around the, the holiday or around Thanksgiving. So he has done it 10 times in the previous Years of his career, he had played 408 times. Do you know how many times in those 408 games, Miko Rantanen has played 25-plus minutes in a regular season game with the Colorado Avalanche in the NHL?
0: Less than 10.
1: Give me a number. Nine. Three. Three times out of 408. Add the first 16 games of this season, Miko Rantanen played 25 minutes of ice time. Three times in the first 424 games of his storied NHL career. And he has now done it 10 times in the last 21. So, what does that tell you about the coach's trust in the bottom guys? We've been talking about it all season. The Avalanche don't roll forward lines, they roll two and a half, sometimes three. Right now, it's been barely two. But you got. Martin Kaut, Sampo Renta, Anton Bleed, Jean-Luc Foudy, Charles Houdon, Jacob McDonald, Curtis McDermott, Dennis Malgin, and the now departed Lucas Sedlak and Dryden Hunt combined 130 games, two goals and four assists. So why wouldn't he play Miko Ranton in 25 minutes? Because an exhausted Ranton Rantanen for five extra minutes of ice time is probably going to give you more than Jacob McDonald or Dryden Hunt or Anton Bleed. Well, 26 goals, he is. Exactly. But at the same time, you are now not getting the same Miko Rantanen you had in the past. So if the Avalanche had just the ability to call up one or two guys and put them into the lineup and insert them in that you can trust to give you a 25-point pace over 82 games, it's not a lot. 25 points over 82 games. If you just had that much help and support from your farm system, you can play Miko Rantanen the usual 19 to 22 minutes a game and get full force Nathan uh, Miko Rantanen. Same thing with Nathan McKinnon, full force, Nathan McKinnon. uh, McKinnon has been back for three games. He's averaged 25 minutes and four seconds per game over these three games. It's just way too much. I don't care who you are. You can't play this much and expect to be your best. But the problem is you at your not best is better than the alternative, which goes back to the conversation we had. If you remember the Philadelphia game where we broke that one down uh, right before Nathan McKinnon got injured, it was the avalanches drafting problems. They are one of the best teams. In fact, I would even say they are the best team at capitalizing on their top picks. First overall, Nathan McKinnon. They did pretty damn well. Second overall, Gabe Landiscog. If you remember the Gabe Landiscog year, it was maybe it's Landy, maybe it's Huberto Maybe it's, uh, who's the other guy? Adam Larson. Maybe it's Sean Couturier. Maybe it's all these guys. The Avalanche made the right pick and took Gabe Landiscog. When they took Duchesne, Evander Kane went for it. They made the right pick there. When they took Kale McCarr, that was completely out of the blue. They made the right pick there. When they took Bowen Byram, Injuries aside, they made the right pick there. They always capitalize on their top picks. Miko Rantanen at number 10, the best number 10 overall pick ever. Tyson Jost at number 10, still better than most players that get drafted at that position are, but not a complete 100% win like the others. But if you just kind of recap the guys I just went through, Byron and McCarr, that's a top-line D-pairing. Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen, those are top-line forwards, superstars. So they're great at drafting those. But how many times have we seen the Avalanche have a random kid that comes in that was drafted in the third or fourth round three years ago, and you're like, oh, they have a player here. Because the only one I could think of is Tyson Berry. They haven't had one since. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who continue to lose guys, they were able to take Ross Colton and put him into the lineup. Ross Colton scored the Stanley Cup winning goal for them the last time they won the Cup two years ago. 2016 uh 2016 nhl draft fourth round 27th overall 100 uh, 118th overall for the entire draft my favorite one is the latest one we've been talking a lot about them losing ryan mcdonough and having this kind of new look defense well 2017 sixth round pick nick perbix 31 games played three goals five assists eight points he just signed a two-year extension there's another one so these other teams are and because of that, John Luke Foody comes up and does nothing. Martin Kout, who was a first rounder and a bust of one, that's that's a very simple word to use for him, comes up and gives you nothing. Then you try to go out and sign free agents like Anton Bleed, Lucas Sedlak, and none of those work. You sign Charles Houdon, hoping he can at least give you Kiefer Sherwood-ish numbers. That's not working. You trade for you acquire Dryden Hunt off the waiver wire, doesn't do it. You trade him for Dennis Malgan, still not doing it. The Avalanche don't trust their depth. So they have to overplay their guys. They don't trust their backup goalie without Frankie healthy. So they have to overplay Georgie. And then what that leads to is your overplayed guys turning the puck over, which leads to a goal on your overplayed goalie who then slams his stick, who then needs Kale McCart to kind of settle him down and do that captain thing that Kale does, where every time the avalanche surrender a goal, the first thing he does is skates to the goalie to give him a tap on the pat to say, that's on me. It's just, it's kind of, it's all stems back to the injuries, but it's well beyond the team's health at this point.
0: I think that's some spot on analysis and and really good deep dive onto some of the deeper issues. I mean, the last three games, the Avalanche have scored two goals in each of those three games. I did a little homework. Let me read off some numbers for you um, as far as goal scoring for the Avalanche. all right. Of, of course, they've scored zero goals three times this year with an 0-3 record. That's Pretty obvious. You don't score any goals, you're not going to win games. They scored one goal three times this year with a one and two record. Somehow they won a one nothing game earlier in the year. Uh, they've scored two goals seven times with a one and six record. They've scored three goals thirteen times with an eight and five record. And of course, this is not including overtime records. Just simple wins and. Losses. he scored four goals five times with a three and two record lastly they've scored five plus goals six times with a six and no record so really it's that threshold of just getting to three goals and you'll at least give yourself a fighting chance for a win they have a winning record with three goals and lately they've only been able to get to two so if they can just somehow find a way to add one more maybe even two goal two more goals to the roster per game i mean i think that's all they're really missing it's not that far off because you got guys like kale mccarr Nico Ranton and Nathan McKinnon still on the ice. Like you're saying, they just need some support. They need some help.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing. Like even when your second line, your second D pair and your backup goalie are back, you can finally start to roll two to three to four lines. You can finally start to have more like Darren Helm's been great. Darren Helm had a couple of pretty damn good chances yesterday. You saw him finally shake off the cobwebs. He had an opportunity to tie the game and wasn't able to do it. So you're starting to see him do that. And if you can have Darren Helm on the fourth line with Logan O'Connor and Andrew Cagliano, what a difference that would make. Because two of those names, Helm aside, because he just came back, O'Connor and Cagliano played a lot of second line minutes this season. Like, think about that. So once you get those guys back, you can start to roll your lines. You can have a JT Comfort, Alex Newhook, Evan Rodriguez third line. Imagine that on the third line, and you can roll them out 15, 16 minutes a night knowing they're going to give you 15, 16 minutes of good third-line hockey against other third lines. You can take – sorry, not Rodriguez, Myers. You can take Rodriguez, Nichushkin, and Landeskog on the second line if that's the way that they decide to go, and you can have those three guys go out against other second lines playing 18 to 20 minutes and do pretty damn well. Then you can have Miko Rantanen, Arturi Lekinen, and um, Nathan McKinnon, go out there and do their top line thing against other top lines without being overplayed. Arturi Lekkinen's a big one, by the way. This is a guy that before this season was playing 16 minutes a night. Now he's well over 21. JT Comfer is well over 20 minutes of ice time per, per uh, game right now. The second most in his career is in the 17 minutes, and that was in 18-19, a couple years ago, or a few years ago now. Last year he averaged 16 minutes. Now he's averaging 20. So once everybody falls into place, you'll feel a lot better. The problem is right now, because of all of the issues that I just went over, when you look at the roster and you say, how is a team with Nathan McKinnon, Kyle McCar, Miko Rantanen, Arturi Lekkanen, uh, Devon Taves even, how is this team scoring two goals per game? It's not because those players are not good. It's because those players are not at their best right now because they're being overplayed.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think that's really good. I can't argue with that at all. Let's take a second. To acknowledge Total Beverage, since I've got nothing left for you in that conversation. Everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available? And did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th in Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself, or you can always find weekly deals events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need, and more. Arif, I I mean, it's obvious that I feel like you hit the nail on the head, and I feel like uh, you aren't going to fully agree with what I'm about to say, but how much of this current slide do you want to point the finger at Coach Jared Bednar? Right. Obviously, he's a great coach but part of me feels like perhaps there's a a little bit of his message that's starting to fade, right? You've got the first period thing going on. Um, You've got kind of seems like he's losing them at stretches in the second period or, you know, at a certain window of the game, just they're not playing according to his style. And sometimes it feels like he's just pointing the finger at the players. And again, I I commented on some red flags and some bad signs, and and I'm just trying to find some for conversation. Not that I necessarily feel Jared Bednar needs to be on the hot seat, but I think it's a conversation that needs to be at least looked at.
1: I'm not there yet, and it's simply because before these five games, the Avalanche were 19-11-2 on pace for 100 points. How many times before this five-game losing streak did you and I come on this podcast and applaud Jared Bednar? I'll give you a hint. It's a very low number. So when Jared Bednar has this injury-riddled lineup, and wins all these damn games and gets the most out of his players. We credit the players. But when he has a half injured lineup and they lose, now it's on the coach. I can't. That's that's my biggest thing. Nobody ever. And this is what I hate about like Twitter. Twitter is a very small minuscule percentage of fans that exist in this world. Hockey fans, Avalanche fans, other team fans, whatever. But every time the Avalanche go on a winning streak, we're so quick to Miko Ranton and his fucking crushing it, carrying the team on his back. You go, King. You go. <laughs> 26 goals. Kale McCarr just broke the 200-point record for NHL defensemen. What a beauty. Georgie, this new goalie comes in, playing with a half-injured lineup. JT Comfort, Cogliano, and O'Connor are second line. You go, Georgie. You're the one running the show. You're the reason why they're winning. And then as soon as they start losing... The coach lost the room. He doesn't know what he's doing. They're not listening to his message. He's throwing his purse. I, I like that bothers me to my core that this keeps happening. It's not just with him. It's with other teams. Mike Sullivan. How many times have Penguin fans tried to shit in his cereal over the last seven years? Trying to get him fired. John Cooper after the loss to Columbus. whoo, 2019 President Trophy winners. Vezina Trophy winner. Uh, Hart Trophy winner and Kucherov. All of these record-breaking 62-win season, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get swept in the first round by the Columbus Blue Jackets who acquired Matt Duchesne and and, uh, uh, Ryan Dezingle, and that was too much for you. Everybody wanted him gone. But then they went to three straight Stanley Cup finals, and we're like, oh, that's not bad. But if the Tampa Bay Lightning go on a little bit of a rut, we're going to be like, all right, Cooper's been here too long. Get him out of here. They've lost. They're not listening. Like, I just – that narrative just kills me. Like, that's why I'm not there with Jared Bednar. We see what he does. We see the way he prepares – He hasn't thrown his players under the bus as much as he has challenged them like he has in years past. Here's the difference. Last season, they went on a 21-1 stretch, so we heard him challenge his players twice in a two-month stretch. When you lose five straight games, you're going to hear him challenge his players five times in a nine-day stretch. That's the difference. It's it's the the idea of Jared Bednar losing this room, his message going stale. You can pull every single one of those players out of the locker room, connect them to a lie detector and ask them that question. And they will say, no, he has not lost this room. And the lie detector will agree with it because there is absolutely not a single person in that room that feels that Bednar isn't doing his job.
0: I think, you know, even during the wins, there was a part of Jared Bednar still not liking the first periods here and there, or just not liking the starts, right? The classic Jared Bednar quote, um, and i'm with you i think the the avalanche players are absolutely still on board with his message absolutely still like him as a coach but i think maybe there's a time where a coach has to kind of look at himself and say all right they like, they're not coming out for the first periods there are stretches where i'm kind yeah. of losing them what can I do differently to kind of get this out of my players? Because, that is a
1: conversation I am willing to have. Yes.
0: Yeah. Because, you know, obviously there's the motivating coach versus the players coach. And we know which of the two Jared Bennar really falls under. I think there needs to be a little aspect of emotion. I mean, I'm not behind the closed doors. Maybe there's a lot of things I'm missing that uh, fall more in line with this, but the Jared Benner, I know isn't going to kick a trash can at any time in his career. Right. But, and I'm not asking him to, but there needs to be a little bit of fire. There needs to be a little bit intensity. I mean, look at Craig Berube. What was it? Just a month ago when he came out and finally said, you know, Jordan Bennington needs to worry about (laughs) stopping the puck. And what did Jordan Bennington do? He kind of stopped being such a jackass and kind of focused a little bit more on just playing. Um, You know, I think a guy like Rod Brindamore, I don't think any of his players are going to be acting up and going against... Craig
1: Berube was one of the toughest enforcers in the NHL. Jordan Bennington can pick a fight with half the (laughs) NHL. He ain't picking a fight with that guy.
0: (laughs) Right. So I think there's an element of... I guess fear in some of the players when it comes to the coach that I'm not sure it exists in Colorado and I don't really want it to because I think it's healthy so, to not have fear but I think there's something missing when
1: it comes to this motivation. I wouldn't I wouldn't call it fear, I would call it respect. Because I don't care if you're playing for, you know, Scott Parker's your coach, Rod Brindamore's your coach, one of the most jacked players and still people <laughs> in the in the hockey world, uh Craig Barubes' your coach. If you don't respect that person, that fear that you speak of will not exist. You have that fear because you respect them. And it's the same exact thing with Jared Bednar. Jared Bednar is not a little weaselly dude that the players can walk all over. There isn't a single player in that locker room that can walk over Jared Bednar without him putting them in his place. So I think that the fear thing is connected to respect, which every guy in that locker room respects him. The conversation that I'm willing to have is exactly what you just said. Jared Bednar, look, I just said it a minute ago, even the best of best of goalies need a game, need a day to reset, to sit back and say, I'm not doing things right, how do I get better? Sidney Crosby is a lunatic of a hockey player. The reason why he's so good is because as soon as you find out he's not good at something, then as soon as you find out he's not good at something, when he started his career, he was a 45% you know, face-off success, like, I'm struggling with that. He won 45% of his face-offs the the early years of his career. He spent the entire summer practicing how to take draws. Now he's one of the best in the NHL. Everybody talked about Sidney Crosby can win the Art Ross Trophy year over year, but he'll never win a Rocket Richard Trophy. Came out the very next year and won the Rocket Richard Trophy because he spent the entire summer focusing on his shot, finding ways to think and have a shoot-first mentality, and he did that. These are what penalty killing Sidney Crosby's now a penalty killer. Like these are the things that the best players do that makes them better. And Jared Bednar and the coaches around the world are the very same way. Soon as something starts to go stale, soon as you feel like you're figured out, which I don't think it's a figured out thing, you know, uh, per se, it's more of a things just aren't working out. You got to find a way to change. You got to find a way to adjust. What did we say for years? Jared kept losing the coaching battle to Pete DeBoer. What did he do last year? He won every single freaking coaching battle, including one against Craig Berube that looked like it was slipping just a little bit, including one against John Cooper that won two consecutive stay on the Cups, one of the more respected coaches in the NHL. So now he has to find a way to challenge himself to be better. And you better believe he's doing that. Jared Bednar is not sitting in his office going, what what, what more can I do? Charles Houdon just won't score for me. Like he's not thinking that. (laughs) He's thinking to himself, it is my job. Just like Georgie was thinking to himself, It is my job to bail out Kale McCarr and Devontae when they turn over the puck. Bednar is thinking to himself, it is my job to get these AHLers to score in the NHL. But Jared, the NHL EA Sports uh, 23 version of them is a 62 overall. I don't care. It is my job to get them to score in the NHL, and I'm not doing that right now. So I'm going to look at myself first. I'm going to look in the mirror first to fix it. That's what champions do. Jared Bednar is a champion.
0: And I think there's an element of leadership missing, right? I mean, Gabe Landeskog's a big piece of that locker room. We saw, like we talked about, Nathan McKinnon bringing in the team for a huddle. Usually that'd be Gabe Landeskog. So maybe there's just a different energy, a different type of message getting relayed to the players. And it's just uh, it's just not working. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but it's just currently not working. Maybe they just need to loosen up. You know, Gabe Landeskog's a loose guy. He's fun. He can be. He can be prickly t- sometimes too, right? So I think uh maybe you're just missing that element of knowing which buttons to push right now with uh with a guy like Gabe Landiscog not being in the dressing room. And and that's something that Nathan McKinnon's trying to figure out as a leader. Uh Jared Bednar's trying to figure out as a coach, because you know, he usually has Gabe Landiscog by his side. So um, I think some guys are, are trying to fill fill some voids when it comes to this leadership style uh idea and that they're just navigating their way.
1: Yeah. I and, and and you're never gonna replace what Gabe Landescog brings to this lineup. But Kyle McCarr and Nathan McKinnon, look, they're they're doing they're doing all they can. Like I, I can't I can't stress enough that from a leadership standpoint, production standpoint, there is more to give, but also they're going to be like, "What the fuck, dude? We're playing 28 minutes. I'm exhausted." Like it's 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 again, it goes in circles. Kale McCarr should be better, but Kale McCarr is playing too many minutes. But he's better if he plays fewer minutes. But there's nobody else to pick up those minutes, and you just go round and round and round until Josh Manson and Bo Byram are healthy.
0: And Kale McCarr, <laughs> McCarr has kind of like that Joe Sakic energy, where his leadership is this is how you do it on the ice. I'm going to show you how to how to play the game the right way, not so much rah rah. You know, let's get ready to go for this first period, boys. Listen to me, I'm Kale McCarr, because you know it, it would kind of, kind of come off awkward from him. I feel like, yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's all kind of just, just uh, uh, missing the missing the guys in the dressing room that that fit certain pieces, right? I'm all about people fulfilling their avatar. Like, what are their strengths? What what do you do well? And go do that. And they just kind of seem to be missing and, a, a real yeah. motivator.
1: Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And 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 this is not taking like a shot at you for ha- for having this conversation. But if you think about the fact that whenever we like, here here's what we do in, in in the hockey world. Just like the coach thing that I just talked about, you know, when the players when the team is winning, it's on the players. When the team is losing, it's on the coach. When do we ever talk about the relationship in the locker room and break it down? minuscule object by minuscule object when they're winning we don't oh that's a good group that's a good group in the room those guys are a tight group yeah of course they're fucking tight they went 21 and 1
0: mm-hmm. but as
1: soon as they start to lose we're like well who's the something's motive? broken so, yeah who's <laughs> broken is it just that gay bland is kill McCarr too quiet is now Nate watch they go, go, say, they go on a oh, tre- four
0: game win streak and we go they go
1: on a four game win streak we're gonna be like oh they figured it out. Andrew Cogliano wants to <laughs> stood up and talked like he did in game six. Like
0: They solved the puzzle.
1: Nathan yeah. McKinnon's now a leader. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's <laughs> such a very – it's such an easy conversation to have, and it's one that just – it's – again, it's 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 trying to – look, and this is what we do. We try to diagnose the issue, and the issue is the avalanche are losing. The, the diagnosis that I've come up with is the time on ice one. It could be wrong could be wrong, but you know, the Miko ran numbers of JT confer, Kale McCarr, all those numbers back me up, but it could be 100% wrong. But this is always one of the things we turn to. Well, who's the leader in the room? Has the coach is message gone dry. Has this, has that is the goalie, uh, you know, blaming his players is the goalie in over his head. Like these are all things that, you know, if you blink, and wake up tomorrow. And like, there was a special potion given to you, all the injured guys. And they're all inserted into the lineup at their full force, not rusty. And the avalanche rollout six straight wins. We're going to be like, remember that podcast on January 6th? Yeah. Let's, let's not speak of that. Like it's, it's that easy for things to change. And I'm not saying things are going to change that easy. I 100% started with this with, yes, it's time to panic because we don't know when these guys are going to be back. We know Rodriguez and Natushkin, Or was it Manson? Someone's on the trip. A couple of these guys are on the trip. We don't know if they're going to be back soon. If they come back against Edmonton, that would be great. If not, then it's another game where you got to hope you find a way to get to three goals.
0: Yeah, I mean, we have to fill 30 to 40 minutes of (laughs) podcast here, Eric. If we can't just say, ah, they've been playing like shit. We're out of here. Um, But, you know, you kind of diagnosed it as the time on ice for a lot of the guys. I'm kind of diagnosing it as either uh just losing focus or not having that energy for certain parts of the game not being able to play that full 60 so um yeah you got to find reasons for that somewhere somehow um and i guess but but you're no you're spot on i mean we we we're, we're supposed to overreact here that's, yeah. that's what we do
1: <laughs> yeah but we don't want to be radio personalities that are going to Give you all the hot takeries of, of of every day and every game. We're not we're not covering the Broncos here. So <laughs> we'll keep it a little bit more level headed and I think that we've done a good job of that. Hey,
0: thanks. Um last conversation, of course, the all-star game, I guess starters, all-star game locks, shoe-ins are were announced. Yesterday and Kale McCarr chosen over Miko Rantanen seemed to have caused some controversy on Twitter. I wanted to get your opinion, and I wanted to get your opinion from a very non-biased, non-story, non-TMZ, very statistical and by the numbers opinion. Who really deserves to be in the first naming of the All-Star group, Kale McCarr
1: or Miko Rantanen? If you were going strictly based off of the numbers, it's Miko Rantanen because the only player in the central division with more points than him is Jason Robertson. And Jason Robertson has seven points more than him has played three more games than him. Um, The problem is it's just not that easy because there are two things that the NHL has to keep in mind when they're picking these players. These are the rules they've created. I'm telling you the rules are right or wrong or my opinion on if they should be a rule or not. I'm just telling you based off how they have to make these decisions. The first one is... You got to get a player from every team. So would you want to take both Randon and McCarr? Probably. Would you want to take Jason Robertson and, I don't know, uh, Robbie Hintz? Probably. But because you got to take a player from every team, you, you just can't do that. You have to let the fan vote do its thing. The second thing is, is positions. If the best player on the Dallas Stars that deserves to go is a forward and the best player on the Colorado Avalanche that deserves to go is a forward. And the best player on the Wild that deserves to go is Kirill Kaprizov, who has one fewer point in Rantanen, is a forward. The best player on the National Predators is Phil a forward. Uh, the best player on all these teams is a forward. And then you get to the Winnipeg Jets and you're like, yeah, Josh Morrissey deserves to go. Well, here's the problem. You got seven forwards, one defenseman, and no goalie. <laughs> so that's what's going to happen. If you can only take one player from a team, would you rather take Miko Rantanen And some defenseman from Nashville that doesn't deserve to be there. And Nashville's a bad example because they have Roman Yossi. But I'm just throwing a random team name. Uh, Would you rather take Miko Rantanen and some random defenseman from the Minnesota Wild that has proven nothing and has like 10 points? Or would you rather take Kirill Kaprizov and the better defenseman from from the Avalanche and Kelmakar? That's the issue. It goes back to the starting goalie, backup goalie thing. Remember that conversation we had in the summer? Would you rather have the... Vasilevsky with a backup like Hunter Miska, or would you rather have the Georgie Kemper duo goalie? The NHL All-Star game always has to go for the Georgie Kemper. You can't take the best player from one team, and that leaves you with a poor defenseman from the other team. You got to level it out, and that's what ends up happening.
0: I hear you. I also think, you know, and we heard it from John Tortorella. It's about the kids, right? Nobody really likes the all-star game that much. It's not something to be taken super seriously, especially considering the format that they're kind of pigeonholed into using. Um, So I think amongst kids, Kale McCarr is a lot more impactful. He's a lot more influential, right? He has the kids eye I think a lot more than Miko Rantanen would. Not that Miko yeah. Rantanen isn't liked, but Kale McCarr is just the guy when it comes to kids that are ten and under. So um, I think that has a big motive for it too. What's what's going to draw more interest? Who do the kids like? What's going to sell more children's jerseys? I would say is Kale McCarr is the answer there. Not that Miko Rantanen doesn't deserve it. Not that Nathan McKinnon doesn't deserve to be in the All Star game. But um, I think it's just purely about marketing and
1: and purely about you know pub- public relations. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is. So let's here, let's use this as another example of what I was just saying. The top five scoring in terms of points defensemen in the NFL and all of these guys are on pace for well over 70 points. Number one, Eric Carlson. He's going to the all-star game. Dude, Eric Carlson is on pace for 110 points <laughs> in 39 games. Like this isn't a small sample size. Uh, Carlson, he's going to the all-star game. Josh Morrissey, he's going to the All Star Game. Number three, Rasmus Dahlin, thirty nine points in thirty five games. Well, we have to take Tage Thompson. Adam Fox, thirty nine points in forty games. Well, we have to take Igor Shesterkin. Kale McCarr, he's going to the All Star Game. So Dahlin and Fox, they're they're dealing with the exact same thing that the Avalanche have with Mikko Rantanen. they should be there, but we only have to take one guy, and it should have been the goalie from the Rangers because there's no other goalie in the division that makes sense. And, you know, same thing, and it just goes round and round. The Buffalo Sabres, how do you not take Tage Thompson? So Rasmus Dahlin has to wait for the fan vote. So it is a little bit different than when we grew up. When we grew up, it was, here's the best players from this selection, and it didn't really have to be one from every team. Uh, we saw it happen last year with Nazem Kadri, and then the fan vote got him in it's really hard to debate these selections because it is not, it is no longer what it used to be where it's like the best players, the big stars get sent to the all-star game. It is now a picky choosy. Let's make the puzzle fit the best way possible.
0: Yeah. And you know, behind closed doors, Nathan McKinnon is fist pumping that he might not have to go. Right. I saw Tage Thompson's video of when his coaches told him about, that he's going to the all-star game and his reaction was totally like yeah cool <laughs> cool can i get back to what i was doing now um so yeah i don't think the players care too much and i think you know kale mccarr is the perfect face of the team to go out there and display and as long as he's feeling up to it physically then uh yeah i don't think there's any more things we need to look into or write an article breaking down why miko Rantinen got snubbed and how he's underrated around the NHL, you know, it's just, it's just a silly all-star game and that's yeah. what it needs to remain.
1: Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's a fun conversation to have. The purpose of these, you know, PR and marketing events is to stir up some PR and marketing and get people to talk about it. And people are talking about it.
0: Yep. Indeed. All right. Well, I guess that's uh, all for our week of podcasting. We'll be back Sunday, of course, to break down the Edmonton Oilers game, another eight o'clock start for a Saturday night should be, um, you know, another s- s- fun-filled Saturday full of hockey from morning till night. So, um, yeah, I guess enjoy it and we'll see what happens in Edmonton. Another beatable team right now, but um, Avalanche are just as beatable.
1: Yeah, let's, let's see how it goes and let's see how they do against Edmonton.
0: righty. so if you made it this far in the podcast, bless that pretty little heart of yours. Let's play some music and let's make hockey for everyone.
1: There we go. I just